When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Cal Week, not just for Ole Miss, but for you, for us here on Talk of Champions. Ole Miss is 2-1, and one, and yes, the win over Selah was uninspiring. But what can we expect this weekend? Is Cal a pretty good matchup for Ole Miss? Got Nate Gabler of the Oxford Eagle here to break it down, as well as former Ole Miss offensive lineman Jared Duke on the Modern Woodman phone line. But first, before we get going, let me tell you about my bookie. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL and college football, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. And don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where you should, too. And if you join now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. Just use the promo code TOC to activate the offer. That's promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, T-O-C. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And now, it's Talk of Champions. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. Three games in, Ole Miss is 2-1, about where everyone thought they'd be. Granted, the win over Sea law wasn't all that impressive, but they're 2-1 nonetheless. So let's talk about it, as well as the upcoming game against Cal, a formidable Cal Bear team in the top 25, rolling into Vault hemingway Stadium this Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Nate Gabler's in the co-host chair. He covers Ole Miss for the Oxford Eagle. And coming up on the Modern Women phone line in about 20 minutes, it's Jared Duke, former Ole Miss offensive lineman. But first, Nate, what's up, man? How you doing? Not much, dude. Offensive line talk coming. That's pretty fun. Yeah. A little underrated topic people forget about a little bit, but fun one. Yeah. I enjoy talking about offensive line play. It's fun. Got Bradley Sal doing a study hall pretty much every week. I don't know if we're going to do one this week. Selah was pretty terrible. I was sitting there towards the end of the first quarter just like, this is not fun to watch. Like, this is not good football. But, hey, Ole Miss survives and we're here. So, whatever. Ole Miss is 2-1. and one. It's kind of where most predicted them to be after three games. How they've gotten here is interesting. Upcoming is Cal. They're a top 25 team. Not the same Cal Ole Miss played a couple of years ago. So what's your scouting report of Cal? This is a big challenge for Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, come into the into the week ranked on the road. They're just a team that plays really good defense. I mean, I don't know if you were one of the few people awake at 2 in the morning to watch the Cal-Washington game, but they hold number 14 Washington, Jacob Eason, to like 19 points. They're just a team that defends the pass really well. It's an interesting matchup, actually, with Ole Miss and a team that kind of wants to run the ball. But Cal can't score that many points. They put up 27 on UC Davis, 23 on North Texas. It's a weird team, man. For Ole Miss, that kind of fits them perfectly, assuming that their defense 
doesn't have a letdown game like they did against C-Law. That was surprising to me. They've been giving up some big plays, but their inability to get off the field against C-Law, that's a big deal. But if you're facing an offense that's terrible, and offensively you're already struggling, running the ball against this defense, you're not going to pass it all that much anyway, maybe that can play into your favor. Either way, Ole Miss is a home dog to Cal, so not expected to win the game. Yet, if you can play the matchups, keep it close, and have a chance and win it, Getting a win this weekend would be massive if you're trying to get to six wins. I don't think you can get to six wins without it. You have to. After losing to Memphis, you have to win this game against Cal, and then you still need to steal a game that another game that you're going to be a dog in. What is your thoughts on Ole Miss after three games? Do we even know what they are yet? No, I don't think we know what anyone is at this point. Uh, the defense, you thought it was good, and then they give up 300 yards to chasen virgil i don't i don't know who chasen virgil is but he's southeastern louisiana's quarterback and he threw for 309 yards last week so if you're giving up 300 to an fcs quarterback it's not a great sign moving forward so the defense has the things that it needs to work on the offense can apparently run the ball but do we trust matt corral do you trust matt corral ben no no i don't either i'm not convinced he's the quarterback at the end of the year Eh, I think that's a bit of a stretch, but I mean, he has so many physical tools, but it's like his head sometimes is not in his body. It's definitely not where it needs to be mentally. What I mean when I say that, as far as Matt Corral potentially not finishing the year as Ole Miss's starting quarterback, assume a game gets out of hand. Ole Miss and Alabama was announced for the CBS game next Saturday. Alabama's going to win that game. Going to be pretty easy for him. So if Grant Tisdale, John Rice Plumley get into the game, because you need to play those guys, let them get some game reps. They've got four games that they can play before they have to redshirt. And I'm not convinced that one of those players goes in and plays well enough to where at least the coaches think, huh, I wonder what they look like if they get some real run at quarterback. And if Matt continues to make these boneheaded decisions, maybe, just maybe, giving a chance to one of those guys that impresses you, they start to move the ball more efficiently. Not to say that it's going to happen. But there is a chance there. That's why I say I'm not convinced that Matt Corral is the quarterback finishing out the end. Yeah, I just Alabama is just one of those games that positive or negative. It's not a measuring bar of this team. You know, I, I can't I can't give a backup quarterback playing against backups as a measuring bar. And if Matt has a bad game, whatever, it's Alabama who doesn't have a bad game against Alabama except for Clemson. I don't know, Matt. He's a gunslinger. He's he's Brett Favre light 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 light. He's gonna make some really physically impressive throws and he's been pretty good running the ball, but there's just two or three plays a game where it's just like, my God, man, what are you seeing here? It's horrifying. I can't imagine watching the tape with him. I don't know of those great feats of athleticism and arm talent that people keep pointing to. Where are those plays? I haven't seen one where I go, Oh God, there it is. Some of those throws he's made to, to Elijah have been really impressive off balance moving around I don't know I I like those throws and he sees it well it's just how often are we seeing that versus the boneheaded throws it's weighing the risk versus what you're actually getting and I don't know if what they're actually getting is worth those few times where maybe he does something that's not there having said that the running game is fascinating now Scotty Phillips is far and away the best running back on Ole Miss's roster as far as when you combine the talent and the past production, all of those things. For the future, it's obviously Jerry Ely, and I'm not convinced that right now he's not a better fit than Scotty, not taking anything away from Scotty. If Scotty had a good offensive line, he would do just as he did last year, and that's run all over everyone. He's going to be a pro. I think he's going to run well in the NFL. 
I love Scotty Phillips as a running back. That has nothing to do with the fact that Ole Miss is a bad offensive line in the fit with Jerry on Ely because he can see things quickly and hit it quicker than Scotty can because Scotty takes some time to get going. I'm not sure that Jerry on Ely doesn't give them the best chance to move the ball only because the offensive line is so bad. It makes perfect sense. The I mean, the number one Scotty play, you can talk about the 250-yard run or the 50-yard run, the 30-yard run for the touchdown, the kickoff return. There are some smaller things that he does that you're just like, man, that guy's different. There was a play I remember, I think in the second half, just a sweep to the right where whoever, it's either the right guard, the right tackle, whatever, just gets beat. And there's a Silu guy just in the backfield pretty much right when Jerrion Ely gets the ball. And anyone else on this team, that's just a five-yard loss. And it's just one cut up, he gets four yards. And you're like, whoa. He's special. He's gotten more touches every game. He's gotten more snaps every game. I don't think it's going to get to a point where he's sharing carries with Scotty and they're seeing the field the same. But if you told me it's 65, 35, 60, 40 by the end of the year, absolutely. Real quick, a few house cleaning items here. Score big points with your kids by signing them up for Oxford Park Commission Youth Basketball. Registration is now open for leagues serving ages 5 to 15. The cost to play is just 50 bucks per child, and there are discounts available for families with multiple players. The deadline to sign up is October 4th. Visit OxfordParkCommission.com for more details or to sign up. That's OxfordParkCommission.com. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. But back to what we were talking about there, Jerry Ely for that offensive line is the better fit. If Scotty had a good offensive line, no doubt he'd be getting 25 carries a game. But this offensive line is bad. And we haven't talked enough about how difficult a start it's been for Ben Brown at right guard. He has not been good. And that's one of the no. few players on that offensive line that you thought you could rely on. Everyone to a man has said this is a future NFL lineman. He's the next big thing on the offensive front. And yet, Ben Brown consistently has been getting beat across his face. He's not getting to his blocks soon enough. He's not really helped all that much with combination blocks. And you're already struggling at center, left guard, and left tackle. Alex Givens is still not healthy. You'll take whatever Alex Givens you can get. But Ben Brown was supposed to be a constant, and he has not been that. So if you're not getting any type of consistent production from that front, Give me the running back that can run away from people because he's going to be running away from way more people than he should because the offensive line is bad. And again, it takes nothing away from Scotty. This team, this offense, the way this offensive line is constructed, Jerry on Ely fits it better because those offensive linemen are getting beat consistently. Yeah, I mean, Chandler, too, it's the guy in backup of Ben Brown that they keep talking about getting snaps to. It just hasn't happened yet. Why not? Do you have a reason why not? Same thing with Bryce Matthews. He can't play one. Ben Brown's not playing. But two, he's had such a terrible injury history and concussion history. I don't know if you can play him. I think that's more of a strategic maneuver from the coaches to motivate Ben Brown or to not necessarily scare the pants off of him, but at least light a fire under his ass to where he goes out there and performs like you know he's capable. Chandler Tewitt is no threat at all to Ben Brown at right guard, but they have no one else. If there was competition, they'd throw it out there and challenge Ben Brown. I'm not saying Ben Brown is resting on his laurels here because he's not. He's a hard worker. 
He's a good player, but was Ben Brown's success last year? Now this is a valid question, and I hate to diminish Ben Brown's year last year because it was tremendous, but was his year last year a beneficiary of having veteran, good offensive linemen to his left and right? You had a fully healthy Alex Givens. You had a fully healthy Sean Rawlings, fully healthy Javon Patterson, Jordan Sims. You had guys who'd been in that war, who knew what they were doing, and in combination blocking, whatever it might be, they can help you and make you look better. Now it's the time to where you have to be that dominant offensive lineman. And so far, Ben Brown is not passing that test. No. And it's it's more the pass protection for me than it is the run game. I mean, we've seen them run the ball well enough. The line hasn't been good, but it's more just Matt's getting beat, man. And some of that's on him. He's got to get rid of the ball earlier. And he puts himself up for those beatings. But, man, he's taking shots. He's going to get hurt at some point if this line keeps playing the way it is and if he keeps playing the way he is. That's why this weekend it's a good matchup for Ole Miss for what it is right now. Defensively, it's shown signs that no matter what happens from here on out, they are tremendously improved defensively from what you've seen the last three years. That that three-year run of defense was not defense at all, if we can even call it defense. <laughs> at least they have semblance of defense now. And there are times where they can be a little bit more, but Ole Miss needs them to be a little bit more, needs that defense to be able to carry them. And that's a lot to ask of a defense that's just trying to get back to capable, productive, defensive play. And they're finally doing that, but this offense is not last year's offense. They don't have the same type of playmakers. They don't have the same type of offensive line. So this defense is being asked to be more than it can be right now, potentially. But with this team coming in in Cal, offensively, they have a struggle to score. So that helps your defense that needs to be a little bit more than it is. And offensively, you don't want to pass the ball against this defensive secondary. They're one of the top defenses in the country at turning you over with interceptions. So it plays into your hands a little bit for what you do potentially a little well. And that's running the ball. But they still have a veteran-laden front seven as well. And that means that there are going to be times, multiple times, like you've seen the first three games, to where this offensive front gets beat consistently and you need a running back that can skirt past those things. Scotty is a downhill runner. He sees the hole, he hits the hole, and once he gets going, Scotty can run away from guys. But getting started, he has to see the hole early. It has to be held open for him for a second, let him get through it, and then he can make his play. But if you don't give him that, he's not someone that can just avoid initial contact. Jerrion Ely can, and that's why he's a better fit and could see more carries moving forward simply because the offensive line is so terrible. But for this weekend, that gives you some hope if you're an Ole Miss fan. If you're out there wondering how can this team beat Cal, well, the matchup is pretty good, actually. Cal's better than you, but it's a good matchup for what they do well and what you do poorly. It's less to do with what you are and what you do well than what Cal doesn't do as well, and it fits what you do passably it's too simple to say that good defense beats a good offense because that's usually true when you look at cal it's a they've given up yards on the ground they have every single game not even just to washington who washington goes up for over five yards a carry on them they give up rushing yards to north texas and to uc davis it's just this is an actual nfl secondary you see what they did to jacob eason they turned eason over he was he averaged five yards an attempt. That's terrible passing the ball. It's a good thing for Ole Miss. It's a, It's not a. It's not just looking at a team that's a ranked team coming in here from the West Coast. It's looking at a ranked team coming from the West Coast that you should be able to run the ball on. And the problem is the Cal defense has forced 21 turnovers last year, which is second in the or in college football. 21 turnovers. 20 of those, the production comes back. 
that secondary, it's junior, junior, senior, senior. And those guys are NFL guys. They could have left the ones that are seniors. And it's, is Mac going to do that? Just those dumb boneheaded plays again. Cause he, those balls are not bouncing off Cal defenders like they were last week. Those balls are picks. Those balls might go the other way for six points. And that's the last thing this team can afford. I would just like Ole Miss to try one thing differently because I think the philosophy is smart. You've got a quarterback who has a tendency, a propensity to throw the ball to the other team, make some boneheaded decisions, limiting his attempts and making those throws easy for him, easy windows. That's smart. And relying on your running game that has a stable of running backs that can go and carry a team. That's all fine. But the predictability of the play calling, maybe it was just because it was C-Law, but I think we saw it a little bit too, if not predominantly, against Memphis and then against Arkansas. Run on first down, run on second down, pass the ball. Run on first down, run on second down, pass the ball. Predictability in college football in 2019 ain't going to fly. This is not 2001. This Ole Miss team is not overwhelmingly better talent-wise than it is against its non-conference opponents. So predictability with play calling has got to stop. So throw him first down. Make those throws easy for him on first down. You don't have to try to push the ball downfield. You don't have to try to throw it deep to Demarcus Gregory or try to stretch the field with Dontario Drummond. You can make one of those Elijah passes on first down. Running into the middle of the line has got to stop, and maybe it was just because it was C-Law, but you saw it against Memphis too and also against Arkansas. Ole Miss is just better offensively than Arkansas is defensively, so it was more successful. The fact that Arkansas had less talent than Memphis is significant, and yet that was the case, so Ole Miss could, maybe one of the only teams on its schedule, could out-talent Arkansas. You're not going to out-talent Cal. When you talk about all these things offensively that are a problem for personnel, There's also a problem with the predictability of the play calling. If you want to beat Cal, rely on the running game just as you have. The philosophy is right. Go run heavy. That's the formula for success. Matt Luke mentioned it in his press conference on Monday. You held Selah to 60 yards rushing. You rushed for 200. All of that is correct in the line of thinking. But predictability of play calling will bite you in the ass against Cal. And you're right. And here's the thing to remember when we say throw the ball on first down. You're right. We're not talking just going deep. You can make those first down throws kind of a compliment to the running game. It can be a swing pass to Jerry on Ely. It can be an extension of the running game. It's exactly. Those are the plays that you just need. There's nothing worse in football than being in a second and long. If it's second and six, second and five, second and long is the worst place to be in football. It doesn't matter what level. If you can get second and six, second and five, second and four, just those easy little swing pass plays or just anything that you can do to get those easy yards on first down. And the thing that those plays do too, is it takes the pressure off that offensive line that we were talking about. That's been struggling so much. It's just an easy play that they don't even really need to be involved in. It feels like Ole Miss has been in long down and distance on second and third down more often than not. And there's no way to have a good success rate when you're consistently behind the chains. You have to be ahead of schedule. Even if it's just second and nine, at least you're ahead of the chains. When it's second and 11, second and 12, because you're getting blown up because you're running predictably into the middle of the line, that sets you back. And it's so much easier to play defense against a team that can't push the ball down the field when you're in second and 12. So to be an extension of the running game, swing passes, sweeps, whatever it takes. But we're speaking of passing, so swing passes, crossers, Anything that can get the ball in the hands and be a threat, at least in the mind of a defensive coordinator on first down, helps you. If Matt Corral has to make a throw on third and long, 
It's not going to work like it did against Selah. Against Selah, that should work. I think twice when they were ahead, maybe by a touchdown. They faced third and long. One was a 19-yard pass to, I think, Elijah Moore. It was a third and 24, and they got like 20 yards to Elijah or whatever. And then the next one was a 19, 18-yard gain to Demarcus Gregory against good teams like Cal. That is not going to happen. I have the numbers. I looked this up after the Memphis game. They ran the ball 18 of 24 first downs, which is 75%. Of those 18 runs, 11 of them went for two yards or less. Jeez. If you know you're – it's insane. It's 61%. If you know that you're going to be running the ball, it is so easy to stop. Oh, yeah. Also, Matt was three for five on those first down passing attempts, 7.2 yards per attempt. It works well when you throw the ball early. But what do they say? What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing the def- over and over and over and again. And expecting a different result. Yeah. The numbers don't lie. Those numbers are perfect. Throw the ball and, on the first down. And obviously the offense has been better since Memphis. We're not going to sit here and discredit that. But that doesn't change. The fact that they're running the ball early has not changed. Philosophically and schematically, that changes nothing just because they've been better in the last two games. But against Selah, it was regressive across the board, offensively and defensively. More defensively than offensively because offensively they've been hit or miss. But philosophically, my God. Run, run, pass. Run, run, pass. Run, run, pass. It reeked of David Cutcliffe, but the difference was David Cutcliffe had Eli Manning behind center. David Cutcliffe has completely changed the way he calls offense at Duke. Yeah, the other difference is that was well over a decade ago, and football has changed remarkably in that span of time. It's like Cliff Kingsbury kicking field goals in the NFL when he's inside the spot. (laughs) I mean, stop. It's a different brand of football. It's like Cliff Kingsbury went to the NFL and said, oh, this is where they kick field goals. No, it's not. It's not how it works. Okay, before we jump to Jared Duke, I wanted to touch briefly on a stock report for Ole Miss football. Who's up? Who's down? Who's up right now for you stock report-wise for Ole Miss? I'm not going to sit here and and give you Jerry on Ely, whatever. Everyone's talked about that. I've actually kind of been really impressed by Dontario Drummond the last two weeks. I like it. Everyone is talking about Elijah Moore, and they should be. He's the best receiver. But Ole Miss needs someone else. Braylon Sanders has been hurt. I mean, you're not getting much from Jonathan Mingo, Tylen Knight, those guys that we kind of got excited about. Haven't really done much. Dontario Drummond's kind of been the other guy that that Corral's kind of trusted at this point. Stock down for you right now. Can I say the entire offensive line? Well, no, I mean, fair, no, Ben kidding. Brown's a good stock down candidate right now. Yeah, we already talked about that. Everyone else in that inside linebacker room, other than Lakia, I haven't really been impressed by. Everyone wants to talk about Jaquez Jones and it's fine. It's a good story. We need someone. This team needs someone to fill in with Momo gone. Jacquez Jones is aggressive, and he makes really fun plays, and you saw that with that uh, special teams play where he just blew it up. It's fun. But, man, he takes some bad angles, and I think he like those plays where number one southeastern Louisiana's running back was just bouncing those outside, a lot of those were just bad angles and just bad coverage by those linebackers. I mean, we knew they were going to take a little bit of a step back without Momo, but they have to be better. How about stock up for Jason Pellerin at tight end? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in on that. I think the tight end thing, I think, is as much of a schematic change from last year as it is anything. I don't know if these guys are any better than they were a year ago, but they're being used more. And Matt Corral throws a good seam ball. So, like, he's been hit on a few of those over the first few weeks, and it's a few of them I think have come on third down. I, I like the tight end play this year. I agree with you there. 
I think he's been most impressive for me because I always thought he was capable enough as a pass catcher, but I didn't think he would stick because he's a former quarterback trying to figure out how to block. He's actually proven to be a pretty good blocker. Yeah, he's been fine blocking. And, and I mean, a lot of these times the tight end's not even lined up off tackle anymore. So, like, if he's a below average blocker and you're only lining him up off tackle a handful of snaps a game, sure. Stock down is pretty easy to pick a number of different guys, but my gosh, I am so disappointed in Miles Battle. He's been a complete invisible ghost out there. Who? Yeah, I mean, he's just been invisible. I mean, where has he been? Yeah, no, like that's what I said about those about those receivers. Are like they need someone other than Elijah and Jonathan Mingo, Miles Battle, Tylen Knight. Where have they been? I joke about saying who, but like you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know it, man. And he is just the physical guy that you stand next to him. And you're like, that guy should be good at football, right? Yeah. He hasn't been through a month. <sighs> well, really, a year and a month, but that's another conversation for another day. Jared Duke coming up in just one second. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. It should be wherever you get your podcast. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Right for the old Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Jared Duke joins us on the Modern Woman phone line. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago, I'm talking a couple of months, where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling, but getting my finances in order, organizing my money so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids, and everything else. I'm sure most every one of you can relate. And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local modern woodman representative, and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does Modern Woodman do, though, you might ask? Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check him out at www.modernwoodman.org. www.modernwoodman.org. That's Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is former Ole Miss offensive lineman Jared Duke. You're now up in Massachusetts, you said, Jared? I am, yeah. So I'm uh, working in Massachusetts. I'm going to school up here, uh, living right across the, the border in Connecticut. Um, I am pursuing a degree in uh, athletic counseling, so uh, working on a, uh, a career in sports psychology. So four years of school just wasn't enough for you? It wasn't, no, surprisingly. <laughs> uh, right now I'm working on my master's degree, um, and it is a – uh, pretty much allows me to work with athletes um, through mental performance, just helping with mental performance. And you'll see that a lot uh, in the Olympics. Um, MLB is really cutting edge with it. Um, but, yeah, so that's kind of one aspect of what we do. And then uh, my next step in this journey will be going to um, either a – uh, get my certificate as a professional uh, counsel, or I'll, I'm also applying to the doctoral programs um, to become a psychologist. So that that essentially allows me to work with uh, all, all kinds of different populations, but um, more specifically with athletes, you're off the off the field issues, that kind of thing, um, mental disorders, uh, just just general mental health. Um, so. That allowed me to diagnose and that kind of thing. So 
you see a wide variety of things uh, when it comes to sports psychology. <laughs> well, if hypnosis is involved in that, the Ole Miss offensive line could use some. <laughs> I'm actually in a hypnosis class right now. Uh, and basically what I'm learning about hypnosis is we have no idea what hypnosis is. So uh, <laughs> I will report to you in uh, next semester, and maybe I can help out a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit, because this offensive line is having <laughs> trouble blocking anybody right now. You're a former Ole Miss <laughs> offensive lineman. When you watch them, how do you diagnose them? Um, you know, it's just you. It's, it's just hard when you're, when you're that young. And you're getting used to the uh, the speed of the game. I haven't watched them uh, really closely, actually. I try to watch as much as I can, but sometimes I fall behind. It's just tough. I mean, we, we've got, what, uh, two or three freshmen kind of starting or getting real playing time? Most of the offensive line is made up of first-year starters, even though Eli Johnson okay. and Royce Newman, yeah. they're all veterans. They're all upperclassmen, but this is their first year starting. So Alex Givens is banged up. He's your best offensive lineman. Ben Brown, <clears throat> he's a sophomore, not playing up to his capabilities yet. The rest of them yeah. are starting or are seeing time for the very first time. Some part of my career, uh, I was a true freshman starter, and uh, there is no real uh, preparation for when the bullets really come flying at you, they, it, you know, you can do all kinds of walkthroughs and, and go against the same guy every day in practice. But once you, once you face it, you know, in real life, man, it is, it's different. I mean, you're definitely in a different world. Um, I think it'll obviously make them better in the future. Um, but there's definitely going to be some growing pains. That's for sure. At what point does it become easier? Does it become more of going out there doing your job and not bullets flying at you? Well, as we know in the SEC, there's definitely a uh, every single defensive line is the strength of their team, so it will not be easier. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but I, it starts to slow down a little bit in game specifically. I remember, you know, uh, if you remember Patrick June and he and I kind of started the same year. Uh, and we were both uh, freshman starters as well. And, you know, we, we kind of realized, okay, after the first couple of drives, it will start slowing down a little bit. Everyone's kind of revved up, and then you can start actually uh, figuring things out. But during the season, uh, I'd like to say that it slows down quite a bit. Uh, your first season, it's hard to say that, to be honest. <laughs> Everyone's fast. When y'all beat number six LSU, you and Patrick were trying to find <laughs> Coach Freeze. To pour How Gatorade. Was coming? Yeah, well, I mean, it had to. No, I don't know if anybody's <laughs> talked to you about this since it happened. But you are trying to find freeze for a Gatorade shower. What happened? <laughs> so uh, I think that story has followed me to every every uh, leg of my life. Um, at some point, a coworker has found it, or you know, one of my one of my athletes might have found it. Yeah. So <laughs> I have had to uh, defend myself a little bit. Um, I, I put partial blame on Gatorade for that, actually. So I found out later, um, let me just go through the story, I guess. So we, we kicked the, the field goal. I think there's about six seconds left on the clock. Um, by this point, I've seen what happens in Ole Miss football when you get your hopes up. Um, so we fully expected, hey, they might run this back. So we'll see. Um, so we, we pumped the brakes a little bit on it. We did not want to be the guys on an ESPN. I think there's a Kentucky game back in history where they had a, a 
Gatorade bath that was a little too soon. We I was watching that game. Guys. That was the LSU-Kentucky game, and LSU yes. had that miracle return, and Kentucky had already yes. poured the Gatorade bath on the coach. Yeah, so, you, you know, we go into this with the goal of not ending up on uh, ESPN's not top ten. Uh, unfortunately, that ends up happening. But <laughs> we get a cooler full of water, actually. We just pick the first cooler up. We're ready to dunk them. And um, I think it was Lurandis pulled us back and said, no, 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 you have to use Gatorade. Well, we found out later there's a contract, apparently, that says Gatorade. If you dunk the coach, it must be a colored Gatorade. Or maybe there's a contract bonus or something along those lines. Well, anyway, so we... we um, we had to switch it out. We had to put together two different Gatorade containers. So we found, I think it was green at the end. And uh, we we went out. He was already midfield. Initially, and I, I'll give this to everyone, we did not know where he went initially. And then eventually we found him, you know, almost immediately, actually. So we, we ran right towards him. And uh, he, by that point, his wife was right next to him. There were cameras literally surrounding every angle of them we're like all right we gotta wait but we we can't exactly um you know be obvious about it right and we're, we're standing behind so we're trying to hide it we're me and, me and june are kind of standing shoulder to shoulder we're trying to hide it and I, I think espn took that shot and just basically left it there and never showed us actually dunking him so that's the story uh <laughs> I, I should have figured it was coming up anyway. Yeah, you had to know. I mean, who's talked to you since oh, that happened? I mean, I had to put it out there for Ole Miss fans. <laughs> it's interesting about Hugh Freeze. He's in the news a lot lately, and I have a complicated relationship <laughs> with Hugh Freeze. You played yeah. for him. In the locker room, what is Hugh Freeze like, and are there times where, as a player, you roll your eyes and go, come on, man? <laughs> well... I don't know. I mean, I won't go into, to, you know, brag on the guy. I know he's had a hard time, and I won't comment on too much of that. But I think, honestly, we – and I actually got to recant this a little bit recently with Coach Luke. Um, we kind of just bought in, and, and we were just kind of hungry and ready for change, and we were tired of losing and being terrible. And then here comes this guy with fresh ideas, and, and you know, we kind of bought in. Um, you know, I know some of the stuff, you, you know, like <laughs> commitment ceremony and that kind of stuff, everyone kind of laughs at now, but at that point of time, you know, I, we were into it. Uh, we were winning, so we weren't going to challenge it. That's for sure. But we were happy with it. You know, um, I know there's some, some crazy stuff, but I'm sure there's crazy stuff in every program. <laughs> when you came back on campus and visited with Coach Luke, what was your vibe with Matt Luke being the head coach? That had to be different for you. That's your position coach. It had to be strange for you. Yeah, it was It was really strange. I, I, I met with him. I was actually on campus to shadow for a couple of days, uh, Josie Nicholson in Ole Miss Sports Psychology. And, uh, yeah, I found him in the building. He said, hey, come by later. He kind of wanted to chit-chat. and um, So we went into his office. I, I think that was the the – the moment it kind of sank in, it's like, oh wow, uh, it's not a love seat in a little tiny office anymore. It's it's you got this big layout here. So yeah, this is this is definitely a change for sure. But honestly, you know, the guy, 
I've been really impressed with them. I think I've been vocal about that on, on Twitter. Um, I know there's a lot of stuff we can nitpick and there's a lot of, uh, negativity on Twitter right now. And then all kinds of face. I don't, don't get me started on Facebook. Um, but you know, there's a lot of negativity. I, I was really impressed with my meeting with him above anything. He, he wants the best for these players. He wants the best for the program. And, you know, every coach can tell you that I've, I've seen a lot of coaches that have heard, I've met with a lot of head coaches and uh, this is the first time I've sat down and, and really felt that and known like this guy is literally going to do anything he can to get this program where it, where it should be. And I believe him, honestly. I, I, <laughs> there's a lot of naysayers out there, but I, I really do believe that he, he has a vision. And no, he does not have a lot of experience as a head coach. And um, I guess that's what a lot of people want he's hired a lot of experience at head coach. And I think that took some guts, but man, it, it's refreshing, honestly. And, and I know a lot of people are going to say that because I'm close to them, but uh, it's refreshing to see someone in that job that just really not, not that specific job, but in coaching in general with, with no real ego. And I think that's hard to find. And, you know, in my work through sports psychology, I've, I've dealt with a lot of coaches um, already in the short career that are just even at the D three level, there's, there's ego wrapped into every one of these people. I mean, it's, it's honestly surprising, but I think we've got a rare find, honestly, when it comes to that, he he is coaching with no ego whatsoever. And you see that in his hires. We're going to jump right back to former Ole Miss offensive lineman, Jared Duke. But first, let me tell you about the Lamar Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood and Cheney's pharmacy, both proud sponsors of talk of champions. What do we know about living in Oxford right now? One, it's expensive. And two, if you live on one side of town and you want to go to the other side of town, it takes an hour to get through traffic. We're all jammed, packed in like sardines in this town. But have no fear. The Lamar, Oxford's only traditional neighborhood, is under construction. Brought to you by John Welty Realty. A traditional neighborhood means right where you live. A grocery store, a brewery, restaurants, shops, all within walking distance of your front door. But what about the houses? Custom high-end spec houses. Beautiful finishes, open concept, modern two-story houses. If you're looking for a three-bedroom, a two-bedroom, a one-bedroom, you'll find a fit with any of these three spacious layouts. So don't delay. Get in with the Lamar right now. Build-out is happening. For more information, contact John Welty at john at johnweltyrealty.com. That's john at johnweltyrealty.com. Or give them a call at 662-23-HOMES. When it's football season, all you want to do is be around football. Even when you make your trip to the pharmacy, you want to see Ole Miss. The best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, Cheney'sPharmacy.com. And Cheney's Ole Miss is always in season. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. I'll play devil's advocate here. Okay. <laughs> See, here's the whole 
opposite end of the spectrum. Just like you mentioned when Hugh Freeze came in and y'all bought into all the stuff, even when you'd have fake funerals on a practice field, not rolling your eyes. You're just okay I with there it. for that. I know. I, I'm, that's <laughs> I me. heard about that. One. I don't know much about that one. That's <laughs> me being a dick. Um, but <laughs> you buy into that kind of stuff because you're sick of losing. I think Ole Miss fans got sick of a six-year process in which they felt like yeah. all in charge lied to them or they were being misled in some way. And they all yeah, want a complete yeah. clean slate. And I don't think it's necessarily mm-hmm. fair to Matt Luke, but I understand it. And I don't know if Matt Luke's yeah. going to work. I have no clue. Mm-hmm. you got to ask yourself how long is too long, how short is too short. But for Ole Miss yeah. fans, I can sympathize with those who just want a complete clean slate and to reset things. I can totally understand that, too. Um, you look at some other programs and where coaches come in, I won't name any, but they're definitely some in the S&C where coaches come in and, and kind of already have a ton of leverage and they already have the program. They can lose and lose and, and still, for some reason, have that kind of credit. I agree with you. I don't think it is fair to Coach Luke, but I understand as well. I get it. I mean, I've been, I've been an Ole Miss fan too, and, and I've, I've been, <laughs> been through it too, and I understand uh, the frustration Without a doubt, you know we're we're definitely in a uh, a world right now where people want instant gratification. Here, yeah, I get it. I understand. Uh, I, I hope I hope that he makes it. I really do. I could see him uh, doing really well with the job uh, for the reason I, reasons I stated. I hope one day my kid gets gets recruited by Matt Lute to go to, to Old Miss. You know, I, I I really hope. He can he can make it work, but uh, I understand too. It's it's a business. It's absolutely there's a lot of money involved in this, and it is a business. He's Jared Duke, former Ole Miss offensive lineman from Cleveland, Tennessee, joined Ole Miss in the class of 2010. What was your recruitment like? My recruitment was strange because I, I was definitely not. Uh, I, I missed my sophomore season to to a shoulder injury. I've been told that's kind of the year where things start revving up when it comes to recruiting. Um, I didn't play on a, a storied program. My program was, was uh, our best season. I think we won six games. We did not come from – I did not come from a uh, great program. They're building it up now, but <laughs> it hurts sometimes when, when those eyes aren't on, on you. I think my parents helped me a lot when, I, when it was time for summer to go to camps. We went to a lot of camps, uh, got in front of a lot of coaches, Everything kind of popped there that, that summer right before my senior season. Um, my first offer, I think, was Columbia. And uh, so I was, I was getting a lot of notice from the, um, the Ivy League schools. All of a sudden, Louisville started getting into the mix. And then when Louisville, I think Kentucky, it's funny how the, um, how the rivalries work. Ole Miss offers and then Mississippi State offers that same week. Uh, and I had no contact from Mississippi state from that point on, uh, kind of funny how that works, but <laughs> they had no, no idea who I was, but still offered me because old Miss did. But yeah, it was, it was, it was strange. Cause I kind of shut it down as soon as old Miss offered. Cause I, I felt like you, if you know, you know, and I didn't want to mess around going into my senior season and, and, uh, not have a concrete plan. That's kind of how I work, I guess. Um, but I, I wanted to shut it down. And I think a lot of coaches, Auburn was still pushing a little bit and they, they never really did, uh, you know, make that offer. There was a lot of hints of an offer. I think I was kind of one of those signing day backup plans. One of the coaches actually, in not so many words, told me that 
<laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I coach Coach Nat took me in, and um, I, I just fell in love with the campus. I had never been to Ole Miss. I had never watched Ole Miss, but I, I'd watched Coach Nat before. I was a fan of him, and I liked his offense. I liked the way I fit into that offense. Man, I just fell in love as soon as I, I stepped on campus. I, would, I committed within a week of my offer, actually. Of those Ole Miss recruiters, did you end up at Ole Miss because of Mike Markison or because of Houston Nutt? Coach Mark was, was in it a little bit. Actually, surprisingly, Ken Austin was a big part of that recruitment. He was the one doing home visit and everything, and uh, he was the one making the phone calls, and uh, he, he actually put in the legwork with that. But Coach Nutt, kind of sealed the deal a little bit for the most part because I, I don't know, I felt good playing for him. I felt like he was someone I definitely loved playing for him. My only memory of him was, I think it was uh, when he was at Arkansas and there was a video of him and Darren McFadden. I, I, that's that's really all that came in mind when I when I knew about Coach Matt. And uh, I knew he was, he was someone that people liked playing for. So I think it'd have to be between Coach Austin and, and Coach Matt, honestly. Your top Ole Miss memory is what? Oh, I tell you what, that senior year, and I realize we, we referenced it already, and, uh, you know, it landed me on not top 10 a few times. But that, that season, definitely the win over LSU. That's something I didn't know that was going to happen for me at Ole Miss. I think they were ranked number six. Yeah, you mentioned that. They were ranked number six, and, and we had no real – we were just going to put out our product and see what happened, and – Man, it, it popped and, and we we got on them real early and you know that that was a that was a fun night for sure. Uh, it was a good time. Andrew Redder was on this podcast to talk about that recently and and I asked Andrew this. I'll ask you this. I don't know how the hell y'all won that game. How did you win that game? You look at what they had <laughs> and what Ole Miss had. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. You know, I don't know. We we, we kind of established the run. I remember Jalen Walton went off in that game. And it was just really efficient. We established the run early. I kind of also, I feel like LSU just didn't bring it that game. And I remember talking about it and saying, you know, I didn't expect them to kind of just roll over the way they did. Of course, they they kind of fought back there at the end. But man, they roll over. They rolled over. And I, I told Coach Luke this, and he was asking kind of about the the 2012, 2013, because I think our our season's a lot like um, this team we've got right now. And we were talking about that. And I think ultimately confidence was, was what everything came down to, you know, for that team, we, we obviously on paper, were not anywhere near as, as talented as, as an LSU or uh, one of those teams that we played with. And um, it, it was ultimately conf- confidence. I remember going into Bama that year and, I think Coach Luke even told us afterwards, like, hey, if this is the best, we're not far off. We we really played with those guys. Like, we were – we kind of surprised ourselves. And it, it was just building confidence. And, you know, I'm a believer in the fact that once you're – once you're obviously, uh, your mind's right and, and you tell yourself and you convince yourself that, that something can happen, man, you're going to make it happen, especially if – if that team isn't expecting it. Whenever I talk about that LSU game and people start getting into how Ole Miss won that game, I tell them I don't know because Chief Brown was guarding OBJ. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah. But it happened. Good on them. Um, yeah. I'd be remiss yeah. if I didn't ask you about this before you got out of here. 
Laramie Tunsil was a yeah. freshman your last year. You played right beside him. <laughs> Did you know immediately? Because yeah. I knew immediately when I saw him for the first time at practice. When y'all were out there first day, here's Laramie yeah. Tunsil. You knew he was the best player on the field immediately. We're going to jump right back to former Ole Miss offensive lineman Jared Duke. But first, let me tell you about Grove Sharks tailgating and Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Two more proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Ole Miss football is back at home, and that means great food, friends, and fun in the Grove. Let the experts at Grove Sharks tailgating take care of all your needs before the party begins and the Rebels kick off at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Grove Sharks still has a few packages left for the weekend or the remainder of the season. They can provide tents, chairs, coolers, and TV accommodations, among many different items. Visit Grove Sharks at GroveSharks.com or like them on Facebook at Grove Sharks Tailgating. You can also reach Grove Sharks owner Eric Trimble at 662-816-3493. That's 662-816-3493. If you're in the market for a new car, there is no better time to buy at Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Not only do they now have in stock the 2020 Jeep Gladiator, which is half Wrangler, half truck, it's the perfect car for me, but also 20% off select Ram trucks. And I know, I know, no one really loves the car buying process. I'm with you. It can be overwhelming. You're just looking for the best deal. Well, Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is here for you. And what separates Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champion sent you. Maybe that'll help when you buy that 2020 Jeep Gladiator, that 4x4 truck you've been looking for. 20% off right now. Select Ram Trucks. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. So I think I mentioned this on, on Twitter earlier. Uh, you know, I think it was a summer workout. It was the first time we ever, we, we had gotten with him on pass pro. He might've been going up against like a CJ Johnson or somebody. And, and, uh, Man, he he just had this raw talent, this raw ability to him. And man, I <laughs> I was beside myself. I mean, for for a a true freshman to come in and look like that and play like that and be able to do what he did, man, I I don't know. You know, I played I played with Bobby Massey. I played with you know right next to some great left tackles, great right tackles. It's just different. And it was a bit upsetting because, you know, you're sitting there as a senior and, and this, this freshman comes in and just rolls in with, with all this uh, confidence and not to say he was a, a braggy guy or anything like he really wasn't. I knew he was playing day one. I knew he was about to, to start on our team. I knew, and then eventually he, he was really fun to play next to <laughs> when he, you know, when he passes off a twist man, it was, it was like, like nothing I've ever been a part of. It was just the easiest twists I've ever been a part of. And, you know, that's not to disparage any other tackle. I mean, I've been with, with some great tackles, but it was just different. It was really different. And he's a, he's a good guy. He's a good guy off the field. And I, I think he's going to have a really successful career. And I think that's probably obvious. I'm probably pointing out the obvious there, but uh, man, I'm really excited for what he's going to do. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's up in, in the Hall of Fame one day. I've been doing this for 13 years now covering Ole Miss, and I've seen a lot of players come through, some great players, absolutely tremendous players yeah. come through. And only one guy have I seen on day one and said he could have skipped college and gone straight to the NFL, and that's Larry. 
I, I think you're absolutely right with that. You're you're absolutely right. I'm glad everyone picked up that pretty quickly. Um, it was obvious. And then, man, I just I just wanted I wanted people to know how like he he is a solid dude off the field. Too. That's my whole thing. I think it gets lost in all the discussion about Laramie and the absolute atrocity that happened to him on draft night, where he lost millions yeah, of dollars because yeah. somebody was just being yeah. vindictive. Here's the deal with Laramie. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to know that guy. I've known that guy a long time now. Uh-huh. In the locker room. Laramie was as good as it gets, and he's a guy that yeah. always reps Ole Miss. He always comes back. He does it low-key. He doesn't come in and want you to know that he's there. He does it for all the right reasons, and every yeah. teammate he's had, former to a man, will tell you he's a model teammate. He was the guy that you wanted in there with you every day, and he put in the work. He did everything. Yeah. Everything he's earned, he's earned by doing it the right way, and I think that gets lost a little bit with Laramie. The only thing I've ever been really critical about with Laramie, and it's not any of Laramie's fault, but Hugh Freeze wouldn't let him talk to us that much. And the only reason was that was because he was scared Laramie would say something. I just, it just made no sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I saw a recent interview with him. He's a charismatic guy. He's great. He's humble. I mean, he's incredible. We used to, I used to kind of, tease him a little bit because I just you know anytime he'd say something I interrupt him and say Laramie be be humble be humble all right because he's he's just he is that way naturally yeah when you're um, that good yeah. <laughs> and you're better than everyone it's hard not to go I, I know I'm better than everyone else yeah and he was just absurdly humble I mean it was it was crazy he he never really let on as if I'm better than anybody which Man, I can't say for myself if I if I had that kind of talent. I don't know if I'd be the same way. But <laughs> it was funny because I went you to know. Chicago to cover him and Laquan and Rob being first round picks, and it was mm-hmm. that day where they invite all the kids. It was the Play Sixty event, and it was I think the day before the draft. And it was my first day there, and I walk up to practice, and I haven't seen all the other beat reporters yet, and I get bear hugged from behind. I'm like, what the hell? What's going on? And it's Laramie. And now look, I knew Laramie, but it's not like me and Laramie were boys or anything. Um, I was really yeah. tight with Rob, but <laughs> Laramie, no. But yet, Laramie's bear hugged me. He's like, oh, what's up, man? He was like, hey, I'm so glad you're here, man. I'm like, yeah, thanks, bud. That's just who he is. He's just a gregarious, <laughs> nice, good dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great word for it, for sure. Yeah, he's he's, he's good. I, I I hope the best for him, and he's going he's gonna to do some great things, that's for sure. He's Jared Duke, former Ole Miss offensive lineman. Best of luck with sports psychology. And if you ever want to get back to Ole Miss and – I don't know, finagle with the brains of this offensive line. Hey, I think everybody will welcome that. (laughs) Hey, that's the dream. Appreciate you having me on. That was former Ole Miss offensive lineman Jared Duke on the Modern Woman phone line. Let's hear quickly from BNA Bank, which powers talk of champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. My thanks to Jared Duke, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, joining us on the Modern Women phone line. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle again? Oh, dude, big news. You're going to be really proud of me. I changed it. Good. Good. You need. You to. gave me a lot of crap last time, and you were right. I looked at it. It was bad. Uh, Nate Gabler, Twitter account, at Nate Gabler, at N-A-T-E-G-A-B-L-E-R. Boom. Oh, that's proud. a big improvement. That is big. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You it needed is. to claim that. You did. So, at Nate Gabler. He writes for the Oxford Eagle. Just go check him out online, in the newspaper, on Twitter. Good follow. You want to check him out, at Nate Gabler. Okay, 
Before we get out of here, has anything changed for you as far as your projection for Ole Miss football? Where did you have Ole Miss football as far as wins and losses before the year after three games? Has it changed? I had them at five and seven, and I still feel very confident in that. I mean, those wins come, you're either beating Cal this week or you're getting one other win that you're not going to be a favorite in. To get to six, it's you have to beat Cal and win other one other game that you're not a favorite in. So it's a tough task. Okay, I look at the schedule. They're going to beat New Mexico State, but it's hard for me to predict the other three to get to six wins. You can maybe talk me into Vanderbilt. I'm giving them Vanderbilt in this in this scenario. Okay. Uh, Missouri, don't know. State, don't know. They're not beating Bama. They're not beating Auburn. They're not beating LSU. It's just hard. It's hard to look at this schedule and predict confidently that Ole Miss is going to be in that particular game. What is Ole Miss going to be in October? You can't predict six wins confidently at all, but you can see the path to it. The path is you beat Cal. So you're at three wins. You beat Vandy two weeks later, so you're at four wins. You beat New Mexico State. That's five. And then you're looking at at Missouri. You're looking at Texas A&M at home. You're looking at at Mississippi State. You have to win one of those, all of which you're definitely not going to be a favorite in. That's the path to six. It's just it's really hard to imagine that happening. What's the score of the Alabama game going to be? Oh, my God. (laughs) When does Alabama take two out? Last year it was 60-whatever to, what, seven? I think Ole Miss will get two scores. I'm going double digits. Alabama has an above-average college football defense. They're not trying to win with defense anymore, man. You could talk me into 44-16. to Yeah, that's what I mean. I can see two scores. I'm trying to put my brain in the space of those pickers for television and figure out why in the (laughs) hell Ole Miss is playing at 2.30 on CBS against Bama. Is it a bad week slate? I mean, I, I'm not looking at the college football slate two weeks in, in advance, but it's it's kind of hard to understand. I agree with that. I, I don't I don't get it. That's supposed to be the game of the week. That's, uh, Ole Miss is not there yet. Not too long ago, it was 2015, Ole Miss was constantly up for that 230 CBS game because they were good. They were a good team that could beat anybody on their schedule. At least they're not 11 a.m. games every single week anymore. Well, it's 11 a.m. this week, and for them, at least, that's a good thing. Good for you, too, man. You'll get out of there early. Yeah, it's great for me, but no one cares about my schedule. Well, so. I do. You're a friend. Thanks, man. Yeah. That's, that's really kind. Yeah. So you'll get to be able to catch those late college football games and get rested for the Cowboys the next day. Yeah, dude. Do you want to talk about Kellen Moore? I'm dead serious. Let's talk to. about Kellen Moore. I would love to. I'm all about talking about the Cowboys. I mean, everyone's been a little impressed, but what's kind of stood out to you the most these first two weeks? Dak. It's Daxy for me. It's Kellen. Kellen has unlocked Dak. He is actually utilizing Dak in a way that Dak has not been used before. Calling on third and shorts, not just handoffs to Zeke up the middle of the line. We're talking about that with Rich Rodriguez, the predictability of the offense. Scott Linehan's predictability was what was so maddening. It was like beating your head against a brick wall and wondering why your head hurts. And Zeke would get consistently stuffed because everyone expected that now he's allowing Dak to run. You had that 41-yard run against the Redskins that came on third down, and it was off of a read option play, something as very simple as that. But even more, they're spreading out. There's more motion in their offense. And now that's allowed for Dak to see easier windows and take more chances. He's actually been able to push the ball down the field in situations in which they typically didn't call for pushes down the field for their offensive game plan. So I think overall, just the way in which Kellen Moore is attacking teams, it's allowed for Dak to be more comfortable and the predictability of it has been removed. And we're also used to the same things. Now it's totally different. The last time the Cowboys had 
multiple 300-yard passing games, 30 points, all that kind of stuff. They had two in total in each of the last, like, what, six, seven years? And now they've had two in the first two games. So the way in which they're attacking teams is a complete departure from what we're used to. Where We're used to um, those Zeke-led offensive games, and now Zeke is party to Dak-led games, and that is because of the creativity of the offense, which I agree with you, has been unlocked by Kellen Moore. I tweeted this out after week one. And it's just one of those things where all three things are true. I think Dak Prescott is a below average NFL quarterback. That doesn't mean he's bad. It means he's somewhere between 15 and 20, whatever. If Kellen Moore is a offensive mastermind and is this good, it doesn't matter if Dak is average to below average. He is a top 10 quarterback. Like there's no separating these two things. It's the Jared Goff McVay conversation. It doesn't matter. That's how good Kellen Moore has been. It's Everyone in the NFL and in football, period, runs the same place pretty much, more or less. It's just kind of how about you package how you package them, present them when you use them. And man, at least through two weeks, he's been so good with those just different formations, how he's used motion, a lot of play action, just all that sort of stuff. It's been really impressive. Yeah, exactly. And I got blissed on Twitter after DK went to the Seahawks and after AJ got drafted by the Titans. More about AJ getting drafted by the Titans. I like both of those fits, but with what Marcus Mariota is, and that's a short to intermediate passer, A.J. Correct. is perfect. And A.J. has already become his most reliable go-to favorite receiver when the down and distance is short. So A.J.'s getting all the opportunities in the world, and A.J. has been great. D.K. had his yep. first career touchdown on Sunday, and that goes back to what I said when he got drafted. Russell Wilson is one of the best deep ball passers in the NFL, and D.K. Russell Wilson is the best deep the ball best. passer in the NFL, well, period. I didn't yes. want to have an argument, but yes, the best deep ball <laughs> passer in the NFL, and it's already paying off for DK because that's what DK does well. So both of those fits, they've paid off perfectly early on in the season. It really all kind of goes back to some of the stuff that we were talking about earlier with Ole Miss. It's don't ask guys to do things that they can't do. If your team is just a bunch of guys that you know what they can do and you ask them to do that, you're going to be pretty good at football. It's when you ask guys to play outside of their comfort level that people have problems. And with those two in the NFL now, it's it's a great fit. Happy to see C.J. Moore being a special team ace for the Houston Texans. What surprised me the most about Rebels and the Pros right now, Greg Little can't get on the field yet, despite the fact that the Panthers' offensive line is garbage. The Panthers are garbage, man. Yeah, I'm are. a Panthers fan, and it's sad. It's yeah. I don't even know what else to say. I'm just dejected, and we've been watching NFL football for yeah. a week and a half. Yeah. I'm a diehard Cowboys fan. They're my team of teams, along with the Atlanta Braves. I love those two teams. I can relate to your experience right now with the Panthers. When you're that deeply invested, and after two oh. weeks you're 0-2, it's like the Saints right now. There's so many people out there, and Deuce was supposed to be on the podcast last week. We're going to be getting back on. I'm fascinated to hear what he has to say because Drew Brees is out for a while. If you're 0-2 after two games, there's no hope for you. You feel like there's just no shot. And it's 11% of 0-2 teams make the playoffs. I heard that yeah. like an hour ago. I don't just know this. Someone told it to me. But it's it's one of those things that it's just – I'm not that depressed about it because I, I've just gotten to the point. I've succumbed to not really caring. I just enjoy football for what it is, and I don't I don't need fandom. If the Panthers want to go 15-1 and again, cool. If not, whatever, man. I'm not going to let it ruin my day. I wish I could have that same disposition. I don't. I don't take losing well. I just can't. Yeah. Can't do it. He's Nate Gabler. At Nate Gabler on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes 
Also available on SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. My thanks to Jared Duke, former Ole Miss offensive lineman. Good talk about Laramie Tunsil and all kinds of other things. Jared's a good dude. We'll have him back on. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Thanks, buddy. You too.